Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. It's nice to be the preferred parent. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. If you take their compliments, you have to take their critiques too. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Let's have a biological imperative. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Didn't lick it off the sticks and stones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're going to talk about when our kids have different relationships with our parenting partners than they have with us. When it happens, why it happens. Does it matter? Is it a problem? What do we do about it? I feel like I have a very um, unique relationship to this question. Why? In that I feel like my spouse and I, who is a husband, David, we have switched roles in a big way. That I was the go-to parent and now he's the go-to parent now that my kids are older. And is that something that was, okay, we're going to make this switch. We're going to jump into this together. Or was it gradual? How did that work? It was gradual. I think some of the factors are... I am not, I mean, one huge factor is that I am terrible at math. I stopped taking math in like the 10th grade and I do not, I mean, I can add and subtract and divide, but past that, I have no idea how to do like seventh and eighth grade math at this point. Like once I see an X, I'm like, I'm out, I'm sorry. And even science, if I'm trying to help with the homework, I constantly have to call my husband because I just don't, whatever it is, like we're doing contour lines on topographic maps right now. We're doing contour lines. <laughs> yes, Good. that's what How's we are going? working on. So it's, I can't even remember, I'm trying to remember the formula. It's like difference in grade minus this over distance. Anyway, I can't read a topographic map. And so I think a lot of, they lost confidence in me as a homework helper, for sure. I think during the pandemic, my husband was much more involved in, with them. And I think I'm the house shrew and dad's not. And so they just gravitate towards him much more right now. Because for homework helping, you think then that leads to other things. Like this common ground means you start to have common ground about other stuff. Yeah, like before bed, they want to hug for my husband. They don't want to hug for me anymore. It's like he's the a little bit, it may be a little gendered too. I notice it most with my two boys and my girl is still a little bit more team mom. But yeah, it's definitely noticeable that I went from the total 
preferred default must-have parent to the on-the-outs parent. I mean, okay, so my kids are 15, 18, and 20. I have a 20-year-old now, so my kids are... We're getting into the grown and flown. I know. It's incredible. That does sound old. It sounds old. It is old. It's an adult who comes home sometimes with whom I have a very good relationship. Even now I see like my spouse and I are sort of, you know, have new relationships with him, have different relationships. It's all good. But I have seen it change from me to my husband to back again as a preferred parent. And it's not even necessarily the same preferred parent for all kids in the house at the same time. That gets further complicated. Even though it's like it's definitely supposed to happen. It's right. It can still be hard. And I do think there are times that we can lean into it a little bit and that can be not so great. So I want to talk about those times too. For sure. Agree. Right? You can be a little, feel a little nice to be the only mommy state. Let's start with the little kids. Little kids, it's a biological imperative. Your favorite thing. I know you don't love topographical maps. Ma, it's a biological imperative. I am not good at science homework, but I do love a biological imperative. So there. These you can explain. We love biological imperatives because it's just a reason. There's a reason that this thing that you perhaps find bothersome and certainly notice exists and it's outside your ability to control, but it's supposed to be there so you can relax a little bit about it. That's what makes you feel good about it. You're like, oh, it's a biological imperative. Hashtag so not I don't my fault. To, I can cross it off my list of worries about things. Am I doing this right or not? Doesn't matter. If lizards do it and you do it, it's out of your control. Let's do it. Let's have a biological imperative. <laughs> so little kids, we really need a biological imperative song. You know, the only mommy phase, right? Only mommy can pour my juice. Only mommy can knows how I like my bath and how, how to put my pajamas on or whatever, right? That phase is because experts say they are more attached to their primary caregiver. They want their primary caregiver to do things. They don't want their primary caregiver out of their sight for really good reasons, right? Because you might let the saber-toothed tiger get me. That's your food source. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But my primary caregiver won't, so I need my primary caregiver to do these things. It's why they start to whine, you know, like low-power strategies of dominance. They really want their primary caregiver to be the one, and flattery is a very good method to get what you want. Or, you know, angrily rejecting. So often it's daddy because often in our gendered world, yes, it is often that the primary caregiver is the woman whether or not she works outside the home. And so the little kids are more attached to their primary caregiver. On the other hand, little kids can also save their very worst behavior for their primary caregiver. So this seems like they only want you, but they also save their worst behavior for you. Like, did this ever happen when your kids were little that you would come home and have left your kids with your mom or your mother-in-law or the friend on the street or your brother-in-law or whoever it is? And like, I'm really sorry. They fight so much at the dinner table. It's going to be a lot, but just like put on a show. They'll be fine. Right. And then you come home and you hear that they were total, total angels. And you're like, what? That happened to me too. Well, the example I always give, and they warn you about this, is I led a Boy Scout troop for years that had six boys in it. One of whom was my child. And I finally, with my co-leader, whose child was also one of the scouts, I finally sat down with her and said, you need to be the scout leader for my kid and I need to be the scout leader for your kid because I can't be the scout leader and the mom because suddenly my kid is Mr. Like ill-behaved, talkbacker, you know, like you can't tell me what to do, lady. He would never treat my co-scout leader that way, but he would treat me that way. And so we had to just switch roles. Like 
when we're in the room, I can be his parent, but you be his leader because he won't be rude to you in the way that he'll be rude to me. And of course, if you're trying to lead a troop and you have that one kid being like, we don't have to listen to what this lady says, it's not great for your sort of overall dynamic either, which is that's why it is a good thing to not have your kid maybe be in your group. But when it's just your own kid at home, we used to say it's like they're saving all their love for you, you know, their absolute worst behavior. Yes, I use that expression all the time, which I've stolen from you. Saving all their love for you. Yes. Yes. And you're like, am I terrible at this? Am I an awful disciplinarian? Am I too self? No, it's because you're their safest place for their dysregulation, right? I'm going to save it all up for when mom gets home. It's not really safe for me to throw a tantrum for the 15-year-old that lives down the street. But you better believe that when mom walks in, I will have a nice, like, built-up ball of crankiness to hand over with her name on it. But so you're saying that's because why? Like, what's is? are we still on biological imperative? Like, are they doing that because they feel safest with you? Yes, they feel safest with you. Yeah, I guess that tracks. So I think it's like, so there's two ways this can play out with younger kids. And I think sometimes they can both happen at the same time, right? That your kid is really clingy to you and they are angrily rejecting. I don't want mommy to give me a bath. I don't want daddy to read me a story, right? So that can be true for you and you can be the preferred parent. And then you can also be the parent that's getting all the worst behavior too. And it can be very confusing. Frustrating. Yeah, 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 for sure. And a lot to be like, sometimes you want to sit down on the couch. You don't want to take them up to do their extensive bedtime routine. Somebody else can take a turn for a while. But then there's all this pushback when you you try not to do it. That's our joke right now all the time. So our kids are 14, 12 and 10. And they're still like at night. Oh, come up. And you know, it's not so much it's not hugs and juice anymore. But it's like, oh, I forgot to tell you something. Or can I ask you about something I'm worried about for tomorrow, whatever it is. And they're always calling my husband now and we'll be like lying in bed about to watch our jeopardy. And I'm like, I heard them call your name, honey. I'm sorry. I would love to go. But pretty sure I heard your name used very clearly. In our house, the dog definitely like comes and gets me when she needs something, including when like when she thinks it's time for her food, she will come and find me in the house and like, and she'll like communicate in her little doggy way that's very clear. She will lead me to where her food is. There could be two or three other of my family members like standing around in the kitchen directly next to where her food is. But she thinks she has to come find me in another part of the house to lead me back to the kitchen and like kind of like, yeah. Well, someone on the Facebook group just said that, that like their kid was sitting on their husband's lap, got off the lap, like walked all around the house to find them, to ask them for a juice, you know, or whatever. And it's like, there is another person in this house with legs and arms who is capable of doing this for you. Right. So in that case, I think it's totally worth, I mean, I can't explain to the dog, right? You can ask one of the kids for your food instead of me. Because she's like, no, I can't. They're not listening to me. Only mommy can get my food. Right. But with our kids. <laughs> your dog may never get out of the only mommy phase. She's 10. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. But I can teach. No, they do say that. A child, hopefully, slowly. And we've been doing it in my house like over many years. And it does kind of work that like, you know, dad can tie your shoes for you. Dad can figure out you know, where soccer practice is today, like, and they might have to come ask you, like, so where is soccer? How do I find out where soccer practice is today? But like, you know, pushing back against that stuff is worth it. But what about the part I wanted to talk about that's worth pushing back against, I think that is a little bit harder is it's nice to be the preferred parent. It's nice to hold a little bit in your heart of like, really, everybody is a dumb dumb at this except me. Really, I am the best at lap time. Yeah, for sure. 
And then, of course, your spouse is the foil in that. Like, what a dummy. He doesn't even know where the blah, blah is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been playing this game a long time, and I feel like I've definitely, uh, as Joni Mitchell says, I've seen the world from both sides now, Amy. And the chickens have come home to roost. Well, I had a coworker a long time ago when I was at my first job, and you know, some, I was working as a kind of paralegal aide, like a law firm aide. And someone came over, oh, you did a great job on this. And I was like a happy bunny. And I was like, oh, thanks. I, I think I did it. Oh, I was like, please just punch with myself. And my kind of wizened coworker was like, if you take their compliments, you have to take their critiques too. And it was like, just a really interesting lesson very early in my life of like, if you fall all in on, oh my God, my boss thinks I did a good job and I got a gold star. On the flip side, you have to say like, oh, my boss was not happy with my work. I must be a bad worker. And it is the perfect metaphor for this kid thing because, yeah, if you lean too much into I'm the favorite parent, they can pull that rug out from under you. And I think I've had a pretty good balance of being like, whatevs, kids. I'm being me over here. You could do whatever you want, but it's not totally easy. All right, let's take a break and we'll talk about the challenges of that in a minute. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So there's a psychologist named Carl Pickart that talks about how the preferred parent thing can sort of play out for older kids. This is another sort of biological imperative, and I thought this was very interesting. He calls it the odd parent out 
syndrome. And this is sort of what you were saying in the first part can sort of play out that it kind of turns into your how your dinner table can kind of turn into like, dad, you don't know anything about, you know, music, what's going on in high school, whatever, or mom, you don't know anything about soccer, only we do. And what seems to develop Carl Pickard says, is a degree of prejudice and discrimination that infects the family system directed against one parent. He says this usually happens when that parent is in the sexual minority, like the mom in a house full of boys, the dad in a house full of girls. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't get it. You're not on our team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here he comes, Mr. Bumbling Dum Dum. He doesn't understand anything. And as you said before the break, and I think you're right, I've definitely been on both sides of this. I've definitely been a little bit like dad doesn't know anything because you know my husband was working really hard he wasn't around a lot and then when he tried to contribute they'd be like no that's not you know ms miles doesn't teach math anymore or whatever i'm just making that up but right like you're hopelessly out of touch with everything we're talking about and i will say developmentally appropriate like my kids love nothing more than when i'm like i saw andrew tote got arrested and they're like did you wait a minute like everyone freezes and they're so delighted they're like did you just say andrew tote mom and the three of them like practically fall to the ground with like mock horror but secret delight of like mom thinks the guy's name is andrew tote when it's andrew tate and yeah like that is developmentally appropriate but i will say it is something that you really have to be careful about i am a yes teaser sometimes like I find myself amusing and I like to joke around with people like oh Amy you and your spreadsheets haha like but there is a line between like we are sharing a joke and I am making you feel bad by pointing out something about yourself that you might have a slight insecurity about and it's something that I have to be careful of sometimes with my kids I'll be like all right, goon, like, look, you got a D, you know, a goofball, you know, but maybe they're really having trouble with their grades. I tend to approach things from like this kind of humorous point of view. I also, when my husband and I got married, really when we were dating, I noticed that he has three younger sisters. And sometimes when we were like, I'm trying to think of a good example that doesn't sound ridiculous, but he would be like, almost like just poking at me. Like, I'm trying to think of a deal, but it was the way you would treat a little sister in order to bother her, basically. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll touch you with my fork with cheese on it or something. I'm making up an example because I can't think of it. And about three dates in, I was like, I really like you, but that thing where you're like, I'm going to do this thing just to annoy you. No, thank you to that. Like, I'm not Doesn't your little loving. sister. Uh -huh. I'm your romantic interest. And like, I had one big brother and three sisters. So like, I never had this dynamic in my household. But I was very clear of like, this dynamic of like teasing in this particular way is not fun to me. All this to say that I think that this dynamic of like, one spouse is on the outs and a dodo bird can be fun and can be developmentally appropriate. We know something more than mom, and that's exciting and fun for us. But yeah, 
as I say all the time, Amy, it's fun to have fun, but you have to know how. It can tip very easily into like, dad's the dummy who doesn't even know how to read a book at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Or it can tip into like, mom's so uptight. Dad lets us eat cake in bed, but mom's no fun. And it's like, okay, yes. I have to wash the sheets. I have to make the dentist appointments. And I have to like explain to your pediatrician why you're eating 10 pieces of cake a day. Like, I'm no fun for a reason. And so I think this dynamic is a very important part of this picture. And it's something that you can give voice to. And I've often found that moment of like, hey, this is not a dynamic that works for me. Everybody goof on mom. I'm not doing it. Doesn't work for me. I put a link in the show notes. Please check this out if you haven't. I also put it up on our Facebook group. Ryan Martin, who's a psychologist, by the way, wrote a humor piece for McSweeney's entitled, Good Parents Capitalize on Their Individual Strengths. My wife's is seeing to our kids every need and mine is roughhousing. And he goes through in the article, Very, it's some people on the Facebook page were like, this is totally inappropriate. Or, or worse, some people were like, that's just how it is. Dads and moms, no, this is satire. It's it's a little too close to the line, the satire, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's like, we've worked out a great dynamic by sticking to what we're good at. My wife takes care of their daily needs and I handle the rough housing. It's hilarious and it makes a point. And the point is, just as you're saying, it can be fun to be in sitting at the cool kids table or sitting at the right end of the dinner table, right? Like we're all doing this. Mom doesn't understand. Dad doesn't understand. It can be because only I know about, you know, ballet or only I know about Little Shop of Horrors and who got cast in the show. Or it can be, as you as you said, a more insidious form of it, I think, can be like, well, I'm going to be the more permissive one. I'm going to be the one who said yes when my other parent, when my co-parent already said no. I'm going to be the cool parent. Yeah, I'm going to be the fun parent. And the kids learn that quickly. I mean, we have one kid who is wily, very wily. And often I have finally learned after being burned several times, hey, can I have whatever soda? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I have finally learned to say, did you ask your dad already? Because he constantly will just ask one of us and then go to the other one. And yes, thank you for the suggestion. We have had several sit downs about how this is inappropriate and not to do it. But he's just he's got the wily gene. He's always trying to find the shortcut through life. And, you know, it does take a united front. Listen, sometimes do you get to be the cool one and we goof on dad? Yes. Is it sometimes fun? Is it sometimes funny? Sure. But if it becomes a pattern that like one parent always gets to be the fun one and the other one always gets to be the butt of the joke, that's not a good dynamic. It's not a good dynamic. Julia Chamberlain, she's a family counselor. She says that when we don't present a united front as parents, it can cause children to split which is a term that means when children will utilize parental disagreement to their advantage. So that's just what you're saying. There's a name for it, splitting. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think especially in households where the mom and dad, and I think especially in households where the spouses don't live together, it can be really, really challenging, right? Like I know a lot of people who are sharing custody where it always becomes like, you're uptight mom with her stupid rules. We have fun in this house and it does become... An issue, but I do think the fundamental key to all of this is the only way to win is not to play. To say, my identity is really not wrapped up in whether or not you like me or you think I'm cool. Because the secret is kids love their parents. That is, there you have a very firm foundation there, you know? And 
you don't have to ride the roller coaster of like, do they like me? Am I their favorite today, tomorrow, or yesterday? Because at the end of the day, you can't crush the love that kids have for their parents out of you. People have tried. It doesn't work. You know, I mean, you can, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like, you know, we were, it's like a ski, you know, they say base depth. Your base depth is very, very deep on that. And so you don't have to be on the roller coaster of like, my kids don't like me. Well, going back to what you were saying before, it occurs to me that, you know, if you take, I forget how you put it exactly, but if you take the good notes, you have to take the critical notes as well, right? If your feedback, you can't only accept the good feedback as perfect and ignore the bad feedback. Similarly, if you are to ignore when you your kids are united on the isn't mom annoying front, speaking as somebody who's living on that island right now, if you're not supposed to take that too personally, you also shouldn't over identify with the like mom is cool, right? And mom is the only one who understands us and for sure. Us and mom are in this club and the other parent is the dum-dum. You can't over-identify with that either. They're both wrong to attach too much to. It's just something that's going to happen. Like the kids are going to do it and we need to let it happen and try not to let our feelings be hurt by it. But it's hard. And I don't think we always just let it go. I don't think we never push back against it or call it out or do anything about it. And in the interest of like say everything, I also had an experience this week with one of my kids who's very into Minecraft and building in Minecraft. And I have had the conversation with this child saying, I'm really not that interested in this. So I don't want to listen to 45 minutes of you describing this world that you've created. It's not interesting to me. And I, again, slightly joking edge to it and also sort of trying to teach the thing of like, look at my face. Am I interested in this? Like, you've got to turn this off at some point. It's an important lesson. <laughs> but at some point this week, I really did hurt this kid's feelings by being like, I don't care about this at all. And it was something that they were actually really excited to share with me that was new and different. And I kind of went to my standard place of like, I don't care. And I could tell that I really hurt their feelings. And we had a conversation about it and I apologized and we talked about it. So there's no hard and fast rules. You know, it's not that I want them to like me. It's that I want to be a decent person in relation to another person in my home. And so it's not just like, don't care at all about this stuff. I mean, you're constantly turning all of the knobs and gauges to make the line flat or whatever the metaphor is. It's not that like, just turn this knob up and turn this knob down and you'll be fine. You have to constantly calibrate like, okay, am I leaning too much in to like wanting this person to like me? And am I leaning too much out of like, oh, I don't care at all. So don't talk to me, you know, just constantly fiddling with the knobs. Mm-hmm. So we actually had a listener question that inspired this episode. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the question. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while 
still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So we had a listener right in to suggest this episode, which we love. We love listener suggestions. Always send us your suggestions for episodes. Please make them at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hellcast. Tell us what you want us to be talking about. Or if you're not a Facebook person, you can always just email us info at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. So this listener said, is there an episode about one parent having a very different relationship with a child than the other parent? By the way, I will shout out, yes, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. We did an episode back in 2019 called When Kids Prefer the Other Parent Over You or You Over Them, a little bit similar to what we're discussing today, but not the same. And it was four years ago. So who knows what we were saying back then, Margaret? We're clearly wiser now. <laughs> who knows what we were saying back then? Of course. Listener question was this. Is there an episode about one parent having a very different relationship with the child than the other parent? My 12-year-old, the listener says, and I seem to have a pretty functional, not perfect relationship, but he and my husband seem to end up arguing constantly. Thought it was at first a phase, but if it is, it's a long one. Would love some perspective on this. And I wanted to talk about this because I've definitely had this, having had now three adolescents, right? I've had this happen three times in my house in different ways. And there's one sort of way this can play out that I think is, it's something to watch out for and push back against if you see it happening or you sense it happening in yourself, which is I had a very contentious, contentious relationship with one of my kids a couple years ago. I knew what you meant, but yes. And I'm conflict averse, aren't we all? But I mean, I'm conflict averse and so is my parenting partner. And so when this kid was being extremely contentious and taking it all out on me, I guess, because I'm the primary caregiver, as we established in the first part of this episode, the other parent's reaction, as in my husband's, was sort of be like, you two need to figure this out. Like, whoa, like you guys are nuts. Almost treating it like it's two kids arguing, right? That it was mine to fix stop making this kid mad all the time. You're clearly annoying this kid, so stop annoying this kid, right? When it was more than I could handle. And to be have it handed back to me like, 
well, you two fight all the time, so figure it out. No, it was part of that dynamic was, and the other parent, like, you're fine. I like the other parent, fine. It's the other parent I have the problem with. When you're in either side of that equation, you need to get involved. If you're the person, I would suggest to this listener that if her 12-year-old and her husband are going at it all the time, and it's just a phase that's lasting a long time, that part of that phase is, and you're perfect, you don't do anything wrong. It's the other parent that's the problem. It can be easy to fall into that. And you said aren't we all? Like, no, I am not conflict averse when it comes to my kids. Like, I am conflict running towards with a gas can. I am the husband in this scenario. Right. And so I see it from the other side sometimes of like, you will not talk to me that I'm standing my ground and like, this is outrageous and it will not stand on mom mountain. And like, if I have to Dracarys, like burn down the whole house, I will make my point, you know? Mm -hmm. And well, I just think that we've talked about in terms of like, and I feel like you really taught me the lesson of like, if there's plausible deniability, stand out of it. Like if I was heard a kid three stories up mumble, like she's so dumb. I would be right up the stairs, flinging open the door and being like, did I hear something? Do you want to say that to my face? And it's like, we're not two kids. I'm the grown up, and that person is the child. Right. And so... And my husband is very, I don't know if he's conflict averse. He is conflict impossible. Like he just does not have that knob in his arsenal. (laughs) Like he just does not. I have so rarely seen him in conflict with anybody, including our kids. And I think that conflict and non-conflict parent can sometimes become like, okay, you guys have this tough relationship. We have this easy relationship. And the three of us are on totally different pages. And I do think There have been times where my husband has said, you need to dial it down. Right. Like you need to stop. At some point, my nieces came out to visit me. They were like, I don't know, nine and 10. And we were doing the classic thing. We didn't have a lot of money. We were taking them. I lived in LA, taking them out to like, you know, this and that and universal and spending all this money. And because they were little kids away from home, they were like being kind of grouchy about it. And I was sort of getting into my mode of like, you know, you should say thank you, you know, getting annoyed with it. And my husband and I were newly married. I don't think we had kids at the time. He was like, I'm going to say this once. Stop engaging with the tweens. You're not a tween. Stop playing at their level, you know. And it was very helpful advice. But I still find and sometimes he still like will give me the nod of like, You're not 14. You're not hormonal. You don't have midterms this week. Stop engaging in this argument at the same level as this 14-year-old kid. And that is helpful to me, but it's us versus the problem versus him being like, wow, you two sure have problems. That's right. That's exactly it. Because both can be true, right? Like I was certainly not blameless on how I was reacting to this constant, like everything I did was wrong. Like I couldn't do anything right. I tried the walking on eggshells, didn't work so well. So then I tried the like, I won't take this anymore. And that wasn't working that well either. But what wasn't helping was that to use our tennis match analogy that Dr. Lynetta Willis gave us that we talk about all the time, right? It was me against the kid with my other parenting partners, like the line coach, right? Instead of coming around to help me. Yes. No, it's the two of you on the same side of the net. Right. Yeah. And then in a very ideal world, the three of you on one side of the net fighting whatever the problem with the kid is, you know, and that's your ideal. But I do think that's right. And, you know, getting one of the things that has also helped us with this situation is 
being so on the same side of the net that when it starts, my spouse now, we've got a house full of tweens and teens. He probably says three times a week, you're not allowed to speak to your mother that way in the house. You know, like this will not stand. You can't talk to my wife that way. You can't talk to your mom that way. You can't talk to a grown woman that way. You can't talk that way to anybody. Right. And that the just that presentation of we're on the same side of this problem that I think in earlier days might have become a little bit like, row, here goes crazy mom again on one of her tears. You know, that like, I think he actually felt that way sometimes. And maybe sometimes he was right. Oh, I bet he was right sometimes. Right. I'm thinking about my own situation. Right. Did I always react perfectly? No, but I needed help. And the way you talk to each other as a couple informs this a lot too, because I find sometimes... I recently had a very minor but extremely annoying surgery that's like just one of those wounds that's like you feel it when you blink, you know, and I've been in a horrible mood as a result. And I do find myself getting short with my husband and like, could you not leave your drill in the middle of the dining room? You know, and just that like my frustrated talk tends to come to like, hey, comma, you idiot, comma, when talking to my husband and That's another place to attack these problems, because when you're talking disrespectfully to your spouse or your spouse is disrespecting you, man, the kids are on that right away. They're like, oh, yeah, dad's an idiot. Look at what he did, you know, and you can't very well tell your kids you're not allowed to speak this way when you're doing it yourself. Yes. It'd be nice if you could, but sadly, you can't. I'm sorry. I like to try, but it's never worked for me. Janet Lansbury, parenting expert. She was giving advice about whether this is something to ignore or push back against. I think we're saying a little bit of both. It's certainly something that will like warp and weave over the years. But she says when patterns like this repeat themselves and intensify, it's usually because without meaning to, parents are perpetuating the cycle through our responses. And I think sometimes the stakes are low key. Like if it's like only mommy can read me stories and you're like, okay, only I can read the stories. I guess I'm really special. Is that, you know, is that so bad? No. If you have a 12 year old who is, you know, having screaming matches with your parenting partner every night, it's probably something that you might be able to help by like sort of reengaging with who's on the right side of the net. Although it's not easy because you might just have a really argumentative kid with a really argumentative parent and it's baked in the cake. And where do you think they got it from? And that's not how you're wired. All those things can be true. I still think it probably helps to name it, to start with a conversation with your spouse. The pattern that I'm noticing is too much fighting, too much yelling, Can we start to think about solutions about that? Then bring the kid into the conversation. Hey, we're noticing this pattern. Can we start bringing solutions into it? I have a child who is a morning monster. Uh, He gets it very genetically from his mother. But yeah, I mean, waking up in the morning. What did your grandmother say? He didn't lick it off the sticks and stones? Is that what it is? Didn't lick it off the sticks and stones. No. It came by it naturally, but we have over the course of years where it used to kind of be like it would start and everyone kind of freeze and dread and, oh, my God, here we go into this horrible nightmare morning scenario and we this is bad. To just start to name it and be like, okay. And again, with a little bit of humor, which is you have to do very carefully because you don't want it to become like we're dismissing your feelings and goofing on you. But we have been able to find a little bit. We just had it this morning (laughs) where, you know, you barely open your eyes and you hear, I'm not going to school. I hate you all or whatever is going on. 
And we now have a little bit of an ability as a family to be like, well, the tiger is rabid this morning and let's all just buckle down because here comes the rabid tiger. And sometimes I can even call up and be like, hey, rabid tiger, do you need socks? And it's not like he's cracking up about it and that makes everything okay, but he's like, no. And I'm like, okay, rabid tiger, well, we'll see you at breakfast. Like it just adds a little, it takes the power out of it to not let it be scary and hard and let it be a little bit more like, right, here we go. Okay, let's all grab our popcorn. Like, here go dad and, you know, son Yeah, on their nightly tear. It may not work in every situation and it definitely has the potential to go horribly wrong and have it be like, and now you're mocking me on top of everything. I mean, there's no easy answers for this, but I do think talking it out and acknowledging it is better than like, let's pretend this isn't happening. Yeah, these are good takeaways. So if you're the one, if you're having all the fun and your parenting partner's the dumb-dumb, you know, maybe watch how much you love that and are leaning into that. And on the other hand, if your parenting partner is the one having the fun with all the kids and you're being, you know, drawn as the like the boring one that never knows how to have a good time, then change that. That was satire. He wasn't saying that was how it was supposed to be. He was saying that it wasn't. <laughs> Talk about it and change it. We solved it. Solved it, Amy. We solved it. If you enjoyed this episode and you're not already doing so, will you please follow, subscribe, you know, yes and, whatever the thing is and the way you're listening right now. Just hit that and then you'll get all our episodes and it'll help our show grow. Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. So long. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.